party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am joined by Jason Cordova, principal organizer of the Gauntlet Gaming Community, for a game of Cthulhu Dark. Cthulhu Dark is a game of ultra-lightweight investigative horror. It is a game about uncovering forbidden knowledge, pushing yourself to the brink of a breakdown, and grappling with forces beyond that of human comprehension. And it does this with just a few simple dice rolls. It's so cool, and I love it a lot. It's a game I've wanted to play on the show for a long time, and I'm really glad that we got to do it. You can find more information about Cthulhu Dark in the show notes. The Gauntlet is a truly wonderful community of people organized around a shared love of tabletop role-playing games. They produce a number of great podcasts, they produce a monthly zine, they organize an incredible number of games of story games, old school games, traditional games, all sorts of stuff, and they organize a yearly online convention. Like I said, it's a pretty cool group. Uh, You can find more information at gauntletrpg.com or check the show notes. Before we dive in, I wanted to go over some content warnings. We talk about them during the episode, but I wanted to cover them again in the intro just in case. True to the name, we throw dark in this episode. The mystery that Jason is running for me today is rooted in themes of sexual exploitation and pornography, so there is some strong sexual content in the episode. Uh, There are also some serious uh, body horror visuals. If that's something that squicks you out, be aware. And real quick before we dive in, a special thank you to Jessica Sparks, our newest backer on Patreon. Thank you so much. Your support means a tremendous amount to the show. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon backers get access to bonus podcasts, interviews, and bonus content, and Patreon dollars help pay for equipment fees, hosting costs, convention appearances, live shows, that kind of thing. We also run a monthly game for Patreon backers. This month's game is Mission Accomplished, the role-playing game of Super Spies and Office Meetings. There's a doodle poll you can participate on the Patreon that has a few date options. Once we have enough people for a game, we'll settle on a slot. It's looking like the game is going to be May 22nd at 6pm, but there's a few options to play with if people are interested. You can find all that and more at patreon.com slash Podcast. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am sitting down with the wonderful Jason Cordova. Jason, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So, uh, real quick, at the top of the show, as always, why don't you take a moment and talk about anything you want the lovely listeners at home to know about, any projects you're working on, communities that you're a part of, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I am the principal organizer of the Gauntlet Gaming Community that some of your listeners may know about. We produce a number of podcasts ourselves, including uh, the Gauntlet Podcast, which is our general topic podcast, uh, Discern Realities, our Dungeon World Podcast, Fear of a Black Dragon, our OSR Podcast, um, and Plus One Forward, which covers Powered by the Apocalypse games. We have a couple of AP shows as well. Um, As far as stuff we're working on, we're always working on something. Um, So yeah, just go to gauntlet-rpg.com and look at all the different stuff we do it's rad it is rad i will personally vouch for all of it it is all just extremely extremely good um thank you so this week we are playing cthulhu dark it is a minimalist uh investigative horror role-playing game it is extremely lightweight extremely good and i cannot wait to dive in so uh character creation is pretty lightweight in this it is a character name um an occupation and that's it. Do you want do you want to know the setup of the mystery first? Would that be helpful? If I just yes, kind of say the basic yeah. the basic yeah, yeah, yeah. thrust of what's gonna happen? 
Um, so this particular mystery is called Hotel Miramar, and it takes place in 1920s Los Angeles. Uh, your character will be investigating the disappearance of um, of a young uh, a young woman who was who was trying to she was coming to LA to be like a famous to be a movie star to be an actress right okay. and she's gone disappear uh, she's gone missing and so your character should be someone who is either from back east, from back home, who's come to look for her, or somebody who's in the city already who knew her, or who has some kind of interest in finding out what happened to her. Okay, yeah, I got it. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, my character this week is Calvin Addison. He is a uh, Los Angeles crime scene photographer. Um, he is, he has a little bit of renown for being the first person on the scene to, like, photograph dead bodies it's a bit of a morbid job but he's spec he's very he's very good at it he's very diligent and he kind of partially moonlights as a private detective but more so because it gives him like it gives him first access to the juiciest scoops if he's on the police scanner kind of following things along as they as they pop up so he's got an ad. He's got an ad in the classifieds, but he generally just does it. That's his his investigating is a gateway for his photography work. If that makes sense. No, I love it. That's great. Uh, fantastic. Is there anything else you want to say about Calvin? Um, he lives alone in a uh, rail side apartment. Uh, that is also his photography lab that is also it's his apartment photography lab detective's office maybe like three other things he probably has a hobby or two that he's picked up so he has a lot of junk and equipment in his place fantastic so let me just say a little bit about um kind of how we're going to be starting out. And I also want to just say a little bit about tone and subject matter. I think that'll be important mm-hmm. here. So yeah. um, tone-wise, I'd like to maintain a fairly um, a fairly close dark tone throughout. Um, sure. I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for gallows humor. <laughs> that I'm sure that will come up. Absolutely. But, uh, for the most part, I want to maintain a pretty dark tone. Subject matter-wise, so Hotel Miramar is actually um, one of uh, three uh, Cthulhu Dark Mysteries that I wrote uh, that are collectively called Cthulhu Dark Confidential. You've chosen a really good character archetype for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Cthulhu Dark Confidential is all about like using Cthulhu Dark as a means to explore different themes related to Los Angeles and Hollywood. Sure. And so um, one of those mysteries deals with um, like Hollywood as, as a land of dreams, right? And then another one deals with the idea of um, new age spiritualism, new age religion and, and medicine, that kind of thing. Uh, this one we're doing t- today, Hotel Miramar, um, deals with the uh, themes of pornography and sexual exploitation. Okay. Content warning for all that stuff for anybody listening, right? Um, yeah. I don't anticipate anything graphic happening on screen. I don't normally do that. Sure. But uh, we'll make reference to things like that from time to time. I also want to just throw out there that uh, when I run games, I like to say pretty explicitly like things that I want to uh, 
keep behind a line, <laughs> like mm-hmm. not, you know, right. not talk about like real, like super explicitly. Um, one of those things for me is I prefer not to do sexual assault and I don't love violence against children or animals. Um, I don't mind referring to those things and having clues or evidence of those things, but I prefer to keep them off screen. Jeff, do you have anything in particular you want to not uh, those are actually my exact same uh, lines. I would also put a veil up of uh, eye-related injuries. Fair enough. I don't mind reference to them, but like keep them, keep them. Uh, I don't mind them happening on screen, but like I always describe my level of comfort as uh, Western movie, Western movie injury, where it's a character's eye is hit, they lean backwards, and suddenly they're in an eye patch. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah. Um, well, so fortunately, in Cthulhu Dark, if you get involved in any kind of like violence, uh, you automatically lose. <laughs> so perfect. Um, so you just run away from everything anyway. So it should be okay. Um, fantastic. Uh, X cards available. Of course, uh, feel mm-hmm. free to X card me. I don't care. Um, it's, it's a thing. So hotel Miramar, um, the crux of this mission, the, 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 the basic driving thing of this mission is there is this young woman, uh, who came from back East. We'll say Virginia, her name is Elsie Hunsaker, um, but she came to Hollywood and changed her name. She gave herself a stage name of Dahlia Devane. And so depending on who you're interacting with, they're going to call her either Elsie or Dahlia, right? Okay. She uh, came She came to California, wanted to make it on the big screen. She had some limited success, I think. These are things you'll know just from mm-hmm. a cursory investigation. And I might ask you sure. a little bit more about your personal connection to it in a minute. But some basic cursory information. She got some bit parts. Um, she never really took off. Uh, and she's been missing for a couple of months. Kind of a cold case. The cops mm-hmm. don't seem to be doing much with it. And uh, so that's what we kind of know at the outset. I think I'd like to just, before we kind of begin the scene, I'd like to know if there's anything about this case um that has drawn you to it like because this is not like this is not a sort of like if it bleeds it leads kind of story right Right. this is just a missing person thing so what is it about dahlia or elsie uh that is so interesting to you um i think it is that on the side i you know the crime scene photography is my main gig it is the gig that pays the papers the papers keep the lights on but i think on the side i have aspirations of be i have aspirations of artistry and I think I had a small gig doing set photos on one of these B-movies. And so, like, it is a scenario where I didn't... I don't know. I don't think I necessarily knew Elsie, but I think I knew of her, and I think that we were on the set. So I feel an attachment to this case. And it just as a feeling of, like, well, if nobody else is going to, like, solve this then I'm going to solve, you know what I mean? It's, it's def it's a, it's a case of like, maybe she was nice to me at catering once. And I'm like, well, she was nice. Like I want to, I want to help her out. Like nobody deserves to go missing forever. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So we're going to begin in the hotel Miramar, the name of this mystery. The hotel Miramar is modeled directly after the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is cool. a location of many, many movies and, and is, you know, very recognizable if you Google it. Our hotel, the Hotel Miramar, 
about five or six stories, um, very gleaming and polished and new in this time period, right? We're in the late mm-hmm. 1920s. I'm not interested in putting a year on it, but just the sure. late 1920s. And I think like the reason why you're here is because the one thing you know for sure, the one like strong lead you have is Elsie, we'll say Dahlia for now. Dahlia had um, she had a room at the Hotel Miramar. She'd been staying at the Hotel Miramar, like living there. And it's uh, it's the last place that she was known to be, basically, on a regular basis. And so as Calvin steps into the lobby of the Hotel Miramar, first I want to know, like, what do you look like? Um, what I, I am short, uh, a little bit unkempt, and still, still kind of... I would describe it as sort of the idea of L.A. chic by someone that has neither the means nor the understanding of, like, what the kids are into in in 20s Los Angeles. So, like, sort of a slightly ill-fitting vest with no jacket, undone, tie kind of half unstrung, big cigar, like, not, not big cigar, cigar stub in my mouth that I have been puffing at. Could be for years, honestly. It could be for <laughs> no one's ever seen me without this per, this tiny stub of a cigar, uh, and I've got my big honking camera with the giant flash bulb, and awesome. I am definitely an odd fellow in a fancy gleaming hotel. I love it. Well, let's talk about that hotel. I want to do something that I like to call painting the scene. Sure. It's sort of a like playing with like themes and visual motifs, mm-hmm. right? And so the Hotel Miramar is, there are two distinct things to know about it visually. It is very opulent. Mm-hmm. And it um, it's it pays tribute to this idea held by many in the city that Hollywood is somehow fundamentally connected to like mythology it has its own mythology right like like we are making movies that are you know that that are going to last forever we're creating gods and goddesses right sure as you step into the lobbies maybe you go to you know maybe you're going to move over to the the, you know the hotel bar or something like that what do you see that lets you know like just how opulent this place is and also what do you see that is a very bright reminder of like this idea of Hollywood as, as a new mythology, right? It is, uh, there is an, a marble, uh, fountain, like the lobby is kind of built around it. That is a sculpture replica of the, uh, what is it called? The birth of man with God and Adam, nice. but like yeah. touching fingers, right? Yeah. yeah. But the fountain is actually God's finger. And it's just like spraying onto Adam in this like way nice. that's a little perverse and like, yeah. it just, it's, it's and kind of right? gaudy and just off. But like they kind of said, they said it's the best place to put a fountain. <laughs> Fantastic. And I would like to suggest, uh, just to do my bit. I think that there is, um, I think the the entire ceiling of the main lobby area is actually uh, glass panes, which would be very okay. very fancy for this time period, right? Yep. And so I think like um, sort of like late afternoon light is 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 still kind of flooding in, but uh, but um, so that's one thing we see. And then mm-hmm. also I think that there are, I think that there are basically um, paper mache Greek 
columns, you know, kind mm, of yeah. like lining, you know, corridors and things like that, you know, um, that's sort of the motif they're going with. Well, so I guess, um, what's the first thing you do? Uh, I think the first thing that I do is, uh, the nice thing I imagine about like an opulent kind of hotel like this, uh, like in Hollywood is it's probably not uncommon for paparazzi to kind of be hanging around so it's probably so i could probably pretty naturally kind of maybe not slide up and converse with and with photographers hanging around but at least like hear what they're talking about what the scoop is and see if there's uh something someone like a detail someone can drop that i can kind of use to push past the lobby into the actual rooms to get towards her room. I like it. I, so, so we're, we're saying that there's like maybe other photographers, other media people kind of yeah. milling around, hanging around. Yeah. I like it. Uh, that's fantastic. Let's go ahead and do a roll first and then we'll figure out what the okay. scene looks like. So um, just to kind of explain the, the rule here, you're going to build a little die pool. Um, mm-hmm. You get one die just because, and sure. then you get another die for your operational expertise. This sounds appropriate. sounds like something you'd be good at. And mm-hmm. then, um, you can choose to add a third die, which is the insight die, the special die that you have, mm-hmm. if you wish to um, risk your sanity in order to succeed. The way this game works is you can't uh, you can't really fail. You're always sure. kind of pushing forward in the mystery. The result one through six just tells us the degree of success, basically. Sure. And you can, the only way you can kind of like quote fail in the game is if I choose to roll against you for something. But I will only do that in particularly dangerous or dramatic moments. So for something sure, like this, sure. it's just degree of success. So sure. two dice for sure. And then if you wish to risk your insight, you can. You can also choose to do the insight die after you see the result of the other two dice. So uh, I'm going to stick with two dice for now and then okay. we'll see if I want to roll the third dice after. That is a two fours, so um, I think I'll stick with that. That's yeah, pretty four, solid. Fours, yeah, four's really good. A journalist, um, a writer named Jimmy Wales, and I'm sure you know him professionally. He might even see you. He might even say, hey, Calvin, this is not really, this is not really your scene. You're, you're more of a, you're more of a car crash and murder guy, right? Yeah, you know, what is, what is the movie industry if not one big car crash? Jimmy, how you doing? Ah, indeed. Good, good, good. Let me tell you about Jimmy. Jimmy is... Jimmy almost looks like he could be like an agent. Like mm-hmm. he dresses like in a nice, you know, sharply cut suit. He um, he has his press badge, you know. Uh, but he's also really good at like just kind of tucking that away and using his, um, you know, he's got he's 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 young, good looking guy mm-hmm. using his good looks to kind of like get in, especially with some of these young like starlets, right? And he mostly does. Um, he mostly does like gossip stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he'll sometimes do like a hard, a hard story, but, but usually he's more like, you know, tabloid, tabloid kind of material, kind of material. Although back in this area and uh, sorry, back in this era, tabloids also cover the kind of stuff that you cover. Right. So mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> um, we're more like, we're more like than either of us wants to. It's admit. very good. Yeah, indeed. He says, yeah. So, um, so what brings you here? I mean, this this is, this place is filled with stories, right? That's I mean, that's what brings me here. I am uh just poking around a little bit. I got a uh I got a lead on a story that I'm trying to snap some photos for. Oh yeah? Interesting. Yeah. 
What's the story? Anything you want to share? Nothing somebody of your stature would be interested in. You know, more along the lines of car crash and dead body stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to creep you out. Just trying to get a handle on like, if, if I gotta get, I gotta get up there, but like, but I tell you. Calvin, trust, look, I'm, trust I'm, security guards. I'm not. I'm not trying to steal a story from out, out from underneath you. I got stuff I'm working on here. Just what, what are you? What are you looking into? What's going on? It's not those. It's not those dead bodies they found a year ago, right? No, no, I got plenty of photos of dead bodies. I'm. I'm. This is a more of a passion project. You know. Uh, you remember Dahlia Devane? Dahlia Devane. Dahlia Devane. Uh, that's a stage name if I've ever heard one. Um, I mean, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she went missing a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, I'm kind of looking around a little bit. You know, I I wouldn't say we were close friends, but we were friendly, and I wanted to see what I could dig up. And I think, like, while you're sitting here chatting with, um, while you're sitting here chatting, you know, talking about Dahlia, you know, and, and maybe kind of you know sharing little tidbits back and forth, I think at that point, um, I think there's like a bellhop, a bellhop who is really, um, I think he's kind of like, I think he just likes to be in everyone's business. I think he mm-hmm. does this job just because he wants to be near famous people or people sure. who are near famous people, right? And he will say, oh, uh, excuse me, um, Hi, sorry, uh, my my. Uh, um, so I I overheard you talking about Miss Devane. Yeah, well, nothing major. Just kind of looking around, poking around, see what a uh, a concerned friend, I guess you could say. Well, I look. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened to Miss Devane, but I do know that um, she she still has rooms here in the hotel. She's her, her wait. Her, rooms plural. Uh, well, I, she's got like she has a suite and um, okay, and and her bill is paid. All right, so uh, I I slip him a fiver and I say, you wouldn't mind escorting me to my room, would you? I really just kind of want to tuck in for the night. I am beat. He he looks at the fiver, like and kind of like cocks his head a little bit kind of like like a dog that's just heard mm-hmm. its owner say something that he doesn't quite recognize but he's desperately trying to understand and he says um you don't have a room here do you yeah sh- uh sure i do you know the room we were just talking about it you're gonna take me up to my room it's been a long night i just want to tuck in in my room and i kind of like lean forward and gesture a little bit and i've still got the i've got the camera kind of in my hands because it's one of those big 20s cameras so i'm kind of like gesturing with the camera and i'm nudging up in the general direction of like where i'm guessing dahlia's room is and i'm just like trying to hit him as hard over the head with like I will pay you money to take me to her room <laughs> as I, I can. I, I love it. Um, let's roll for this. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to roll against you here because I think Kenneth is actually kind of like, uh, his name is Kenneth, by the way. Uh, I think he's like kind of like really naive, right? <laughs> sure, <laughs> so, sure, sure. Okay, so I'm going to roll single D6 All right. in opposition. And I got a, I got a two, so you should be okay. <laughs> All right. Um... 
Would you call this within my professional expertise? I think so. You probably do this kind yeah. of thing all the time, right? All right. That is a three and a six. Ah, the six is really good. So in this game, uh, six is equivalent to a five in terms of the richness of the information you're mm-hmm. going to get. But there's a chance at my option that you experience something supernatural or have a flash of insight, in which case an insight roll is triggered. So let's let's kind of dive back into the scene. Mm-hmm. He says, sure. oh, I get it now. Yes. I'd be happy to show you to your room so long as in your room you're going to try to figure out what happened to Ms. Devane. And I just head in my hands. I like, I look at Jimmy and I just sigh and I slap down, uh, I slap down like two more dollars and I'm like, hey, Great talking to you, Jimmy. Next round's on me. Yeah, I think Jimmy is like, I think Jimmy's list- watching this transaction and he's like, he's like just kind of smiling and shaking his head like, oh, brother. <laughs> I slap down $2 and I say, you saw none of this. He's like, nah, and I I'm, pat him on the I'm shoulder. Good. I'm good. Uh, meanwhile, this bellhop, whose name is Kenneth, it's on his name tag even, he says, I'd be happy to show you to the room your room, sir. I'm currently busy at the moment, but I'd be I can go get your key. And that he nods. Would be, and I, I just like I kind of throw my hand over his shoulder and I'm like, We can drop the act, kid. Just get me get me a room key. I'll figure out what happened. I'll keep you I'll let you know. I'm gonna get to the bottom of He's this. He's like, Yes, yes, please do. He's like, I can't believe the cops haven't done anything about it yet. And he like he goes off. And while you're kind of standing around a little bit waiting. Um, maybe you have a drink at the bar. Yeah. Yeah, what definitely. You, what do you order? Um, I order an, I order a, uh, a gin and tonic. Real basic. Okay. Nice. Nice. Extra. I, I specify extra gin. Double gin. <laughs> nice. Nice. The bartender, um, kind of, um, I think the bartender is an older guy, kind of, you know, thinning gray hair, mm-hmm. um, kind of slump shouldered, you know, and wearing like a bright red bow tie. He's, when you say like, you know, double the gin, he's like, that kind of day, huh? As he slides it across. Every day is that kind of day. So, well, um, oh, out of character real quick. Do you have your, do you have your camera? Is it like visible on you? Yeah, I think it's around, it's kind of around. I don't. I think it's a, It's one of those like it kind of impossible to hide cameras. So mm. I just kind of keep it like front and center on my chest. Nice. On good. the big neck strap. He says. Um, so let me guess. You're here. Uh, you're here to do one of two things. You're either here to take picture of movie stars or bodies or both. Which is it? Depends on the day. I guess you could say. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well. Um, there's plenty of stories I could tell you. Plenty of stories I could tell you at the Hotel Miramar. But, you know, I'm just a bar man. Nobody listens to me. Uh, I got I got plenty of time and I slapped down a couple more bucks, probably the last few dollars in my wallet. And I slap them down. <laughs> nice. and I'm like, pour yourself a drink, saddle, pour yourself a drink, pull up a stool. We'll chat. Indeed. Indeed. I'm not even going to make you roll for that because he so desperately wants to take your money and tell you the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He says, well, look. I'm just saying there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens at the Miramar, all right? For example, 
that body that was found a year ago. Never figured out what was going on with that. You never even heard about it in the papers. Where were you guys at? What? I mean, good question. What is this? Uh, this is not the first I've heard of this body today. But damned if it's the damned if it's the first I've heard about it until today. So what's? I mean, I mean, we've all seen bodies turn up here and there. What makes what makes this one so special? Well, apart from the fact that the cops didn't do anything about it. Well, I mean, what, what's new about that? Fair enough. And apart from the fact that it never hit the papers, not even the confidential. There's also the fact that, well, look, I was not on duty that day, but I heard, I heard the cleaning lady scream and I ran up there and I saw it myself with my own eyes. But there was a man laying on the bed, bloated, like a, uh, I don't know how else to describe it, like a, like a, it, it, it was it was disgusting. Like he, like he took up the he took up the the span of the entire bed with his body. He was it was it was it, his skin was ripping on the sides. Like his flesh, like like his flesh couldn't contain it all anymore. You know, and the smell. Oh, I'll never forget that smell. You never do. You never ever do. So you never heard anything about that? Not a word of it. Well, guess they covered up. Guess they covered it up pretty well. I mean, you know, hotel like this has the money to make things go away. Kind of why, kind of why the city needs people like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of people in this town, with their various interests, trying to protect them. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I think he's trying to get your attention, and he kind of points to <laughs> the bellhop who's coming back at this point. And, and I turn no. and I I'm, I I smile and I give kind of a like two finger salute and I'm like, "It's a pleasure meeting you." What was your name? Oh, <laughs> Carl. Carl Calvin. Super pleasure to meet you. You too, man. Uh, yeah. Then he goes to get somebody else's drink. So um, the bellhop comes back and uh, he he says. All right, I have your key. I got to tell you, though, the lady at the front and the manager were both there. They were asking a lot of questions. I said that I had to I said I had to get in there just to go to I had to help maintenance get in there for something. I Look, you've got 20 minutes tops before they That's go poke it around. 20 minutes? Ample time. He presses the keys into your hand and as soon as the keys press into your hand, you are instantly, almost like a light switch being flipped, you're instantly aware of a very strong smell of body odor mixed with semen mm-hmm. and um, and other matter. Like it's a really strong, powerful smell in your nose. And the keys themselves are very slick and oily. They have like a little... They have like a little sort of aluminum tag, right, with the number of the room. Mm -hmm. And it's room 214, by the way. And that tag has this oiliness to it. Um, And you realize that the smell is possibly coming from this oil on the tag. I'm going to have you roll your inside die. Okay. If you roll higher than your current inside, which is one, then your inside goes up by one. Okay. 
Uh, that's a two. Okay, so you're going up to two. Just describe to me, let's have some classic Lovecraftian inner monologue yep. here, or our version of it. Uh, how does that make you feel? Living in this city, you get kind of used to filth. It's not exactly, it's not exactly foreign, but something about a place like this, offering up something like that, something doesn't sit right in my stomach. Something doesn't, my, all my all, everything just feels crawly on me, right? Mm. Like, I feel every, I feel every bead of sweat, and you know, hot, hot city like this on a hot day like this, there are a lot of beads of sweat to feel on my back. And okay. suddenly I feel the presence of every single one of them. Nice. Well, so you got your key. You've got 20 minutes. <laughs> Kenneth reckons by the time you, before somebody will come poking around. Uh, do you shout straight up there? Absolutely. I think you get up to that hallway. Um, I love the sort of classic hallway hotel scene, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. um, you know, you're standing you're standing in a hallway. There's just a stretch of of doors to the left and the right, right? And um, just like two or three sort of like sickly yellow lights, um, like a kind of line, you know, kind of illuminating things. And you have a distinct sense of, a really, really distinct sense of being alone, despite mm-hmm. the fact that this is a very popular hotel. And there was lots of movement downstairs. Suddenly it's very alone. It's very quiet. And you take a few steps to room 214. Um, what do you do? Um, I think I take a few steps. And once I kind of feel that loneliness, I suddenly, you know, I can hear the shuffling of my, I can hear the shuffling of my, my two piece suit. And I can feel that the sort of, pieces grinding together on my big industrial camera and I'm suddenly like tiptoeing and I feel like I can hear this the wood the hardwood floors creak under me mm. and I, I go and I unlock the door kind of open it as slowly as I can and I just like peek my head in to see like if there's any if the, if the lights are on if there's anybody inside living dead or otherwise just get a lay of get a lay of I mean this ain't the first hotel room I've seen, but certainly the first hotel room I've seen with a missing woman. So at a glance, the most, you know, you may have to just pop, you'll have to probably click a light on at a glance. The thing that you'll notice straight away is it doesn't appear that the place has been tossed. Like the cops didn't come in and do even a cursory (laughs) um, examination of like what might've happened here. Right. You will see at a glance some personal touches, uh, some things that she's done to personalize the room, indicates she's been there for a while. Um, I'll offer one thing up. She actually has family photos set out on the dresser, which is something you only do in a hotel room if you've been there for a long time, right? Right. Uh, What do you see that indicates that um, Dahlia made this her own? Oh, there's definitely a postcard um facing with the photo facing out that is from like scenic west virginia and it's like it's country roads take me home right yeah it's good and it's this beautiful kind of country road leading over a babbling brook and it's been beaten up and weathered like it's been in her like it's been in her pocketbook for a while and it's been like stuck to the wall with a push pin 
Awesome. Well, so what do you do? I think I I go over and I uh I'm gonna take the photos off the wall and stash them. Maybe in my wallet, maybe just in a in the vest pocket. Mm-hmm. Figure faces faces people take the postcard any sort of you know anything with a name on it anything with a face on it might be worth looking into if somebody is missing yeah so i gather up the pictures i gather up that and then i start like looking through looking through dresser drawers seeing if you know looking at clothes seeing like how much stuff is here or not here because obviously like if she's been here for a while there should be a lot of goods, right? There should be clothes, there should be silverware, there should be half-empty beer bottles, like half-empty liquor bottles, that kind of thing. I love it. So, so I want to see if... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, give me a roll. Let's see how it goes. All right. It's probably two dice at least. Yeah. Um, And you know what? I'm going to throw my insight dice in here. Fantastic. Let's see what I get. Uh, That is... A one and two sixes with a six on my insight die. A six on the insight die. All right. <laughs> so die. you're getting, um, boy. All right. So let's think about this for a minute. So the insight die was higher than one other die. So you're doing an automatic insight roll to see if your insight goes up. Let's just do that All now. Right. See how that goes. Yeah. So roll that die one more time. Uh, it is a two and my insight is a two. So does that go up or stay the same? Uh, you stays the same. All right. But you have another six as well, which I can play with yes. here in a minute, and I may. So you're going to find, um, straight away, you find, let's see here. The one thing that you're going to find that is probably most interesting and is the best clue here is Elsie was writing a letter uh, to someone back home. And I say Elsie now because it's signed Elsie, right? Sure. Um, never sent, though. And it looks like it was it was addressed to someone named Susan a little unclear who that is. Maybe not super important for our purposes. But the letter details her relationship with another resident of the hotel, a Mr. Appleton. And it talks about how Mr. Appleton has been showing her the most fascinating things. In particular, she talks about Mr. Appleton sharing with her a book. A book that she clearly wants to talk about the contents of with whoever she's writing to, but is using language like the most disgusting things, the most awful things, the most lurid things I've ever seen. I, we, we, have to, we will have to talk about it as soon as we're able to talk on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a big clue, right? Mr. Appleton and, uh, and this book. The book is really interesting. The book is called the Tijuana Bible. And I think you just reflexively mutter that those words, the Tijuana Bible, mm-hmm. out loud. And as soon as you mutter it out loud, you're hit with that smell again. That smell of body odor, that smell of sweat and urine. It's repulsive. Um, mm-hmm. Give me an insight roll. All right. That is another two. Keeping it together. Keeping it together. <sighs> what do you do now? Um, I I kind of take a step back when that smell hits my nose. And I kind of 
I look around. I make sure that the windows are all closed. Like, I, I, I uh, alley steak must be getting in. Something must be making this room smell funky. So I, I kind of check all the windows, and I guess I got to start looking around for this book. Well, you have a lead, right? Mr. Appleton yeah. is. Um, she makes reference to him being uh, being another resident of the hotel. Clearly, somebody she hung out with and talked to, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, so what? So what's your next step? Um, I think I know exactly what my next step is. I'm gonna exit the room. I'm gonna take a cursory glance around the room, just kind of make you know, make sure. Make sure everything is more or less the way that it was when I came in, minus a few pictures and this postcard. Yeah. And I'm going to make leave the room. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to wipe my hands from this oil, like wipe it on my vest. Which is persistent, by the way. That oil is still there. It's still... It's almost like it's seeping out of the metal. Give me another insight roll. All right. That one's a three. So my insight goes up by one. What's your what's your reaction when you realize that oh shit this thing is still oily? I I rub it on my vest and I think it leaves a little bit of like a shiny sleek stain, and I look at my fingers and it's still there and I kind of I kind of like throw it on the ground and I'm like oh ugh, and I'm like rubbing my hands but the oil is just not leaving so I grab a bundle of fast food napkins from my from my back pocket and I pick it up and I can still feel that oil like bleeding through the napkins and I'm just like oh I don't I don't want this key anymore all right I gotta find I gotta find Ken I gotta find and so the first thing I do is like go down and in the lobby I'm just like desperately scouting for Kenneth so I think as soon as you go back down to the lobby you are going to run into Kenneth almost immediately, right? I think mm-hmm. he's, like, waiting by the, you know, like, by the stairwell, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be inconspicuous, but also, like, really clearly waiting for you to come back. He's like, <sighs> he's like, I, I, did you find something? Anything? What happened? Yeah, I got, I got some, I got some leads to follow up on, but, um, you might want to take this and wash it or something. It's, I, and I kind of hand him the the wad of keys and napkins. He's like, wash it. What, what's, what's wrong? What do you mean? Look, take a look at it. Look at, look at what it, look what this greasy, weird, this weird greasy key you gave me did to my, my fine vest. You know how much this vest cost me? He's don't like, answer that. Mister, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't quite know what you're talking about. And as you, you realize that there's no oil, there's nothing. Give me another insight huh. roll. That's six. You're going up to, what is it now? Three now, I guess? Four. Four. What do you do? I stand there for a moment, and I look at my vest, and I look at him, and I, I look at the key and the napkins, and I just, I stammer for a minute about, like, and I kind of, like, shove the key into his chest like almost punching him a little bit i'm like here's your key back it's like oh. and i grab a crumpled dollar bill from my back pocket and i like shove it to him with the other hand there's a tip get out of here he's like yeah, yeah, yeah yes sir yes sir and he scampers off 
What's an ally? Poor kid. He didn't deserve that. <laughs> so what's your next move here? Uh, is Jimmy still by the bar? Sure. Good. I'm going to run up to Jimmy and say, hey, um, great talking to you earlier. Listen, I need a favor. Sure. Shoot. Uh, I need to borrow your press badge for a few minutes. I got a, I got a lead and I, I got a lead and I got an idea of how to get up there, but I'm going to need a press badge. Uh, okay, but, uh, it's going to cost you, Calvin. Nothing comes free. (sighs) What do you want, Jimmy? What do you want? Well, just that whenever you finish tracking down Ms. Devane and after you're done snapping your picks or whatever you got to do, you'll make sure... I don't know. You give me a chance to get on the byline. I mean, I was going to need a writer anyway, because I don't know if you've seen these fingers, but they're not exactly typewriter friendly. So, uh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hold you to actually writing on this thing and not just. uh, Not just putting not just putting your pretty boy smile on there, but uh, yeah, that sounds like a deal. I can make that happen. All right. All right. Um, hey, look, uh, and he kind of, he, he writes down his phone number. Here's my, here's how you can contact me. Um, you know, whenever you're done with this, I got to run, but, uh, just make sure you, uh, give me a call. We'll figure out where to meet to, so you can give this back to me and maybe talk a little bit more about what you found. Yeah. Sounds great, buddy. Cool. And I take the press pass and I sort of run to the front desk and I make kind of a big show about, like, huffing and... Well, here's what I do. Here's my plan. I kind of run... Is there maybe a side door that I can run through? Sure, yeah. Or a back entrance? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to run out the back entrance into the alley. Okay. Run around the lobby as quick as quick and as showily as possible so that I really kind of get that, that exhaustion and I build <laughs> yeah. up a little bit of sweat stain. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to run into the front door, hit the front desk, put the camera down and just go, I am, I'm so sorry. I am, I don't mean to bother you, but, uh, and I kind of put the press pass down. I am running late for an interview. Could you help me? Could you help me out and tell me where I'm supposed to go? I think the person you're talking to, he looks like the manager he mm-hmm. he looks very continental, like he was brought over right. from across the you know from across the Atlantic to work in this hotel to give it a to give a certain ambiance, right? As um, much direction as the fountain, or as much <laughs> indeed, deco- indeed. as much decoration as the fountain. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And he says, uh, "Yes, yes, of course. I I may be able to." You said you said you have an interview. Uh, no one left a note with us today about an interview. Oh yeah, yeah. This was a. Uh... This is a sort of a private interview affair. You know, it's sort of a long-term project. We, it, we've, we've worked out the logistics. I'm just supposed to meet with Mr. Appleton directly, but I'm not, but we didn't get a room number. This is a sort of a last-minute change of location, and I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be going. Yeah, let's have a roll. See how it goes. Yeah. Uh, that is a five. Good. He says... Oh, yes. Yes. Mr. Appleton, of course. Of course. Um, I would be happy to show you up to his room myself. 
Oh, that would be so lovely. Thank you so much. Mr. Appleton does have a lot of visitors, he says as he comes around uh, the, the counter. So many, many visitors, so many people, but not any media people uh, yet. So, well, f- fantastic. And he, um, and as you guys go up, he's kind of like regaling you with a few stories, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. Mr. Appleton, he... He's uh, he's good friends with many people who who come through the hotel. He has many connections in Hollywood. Uh, he attends and indeed throws a number of fabulous parties. And he's kind of going on and on. This Mr. Appleton guy sounds like he's got a really, really vibrant life in the city, mm-hmm. right? And yet, and yet no interviews. I think it's really fantastic that Mr. Appleton is finally going to get his name out there, you know? There's some people who are, I find are sort of... You know, under the radar, movers and shakers, they're the people who make the city go, and they don't get the credit. They don't get the credit for building this city. I think it's fantastic. I agree. This is, I think, really Mr. Appleton's moment to get brought into the light. Indeed, indeed. Well, um, and he kind of takes you up there and he's, he, he knocks on the door. <laughs> I don't know if you were anticipating that or not, but he goes to knock on the door. Uh, Mr. Appleton... There's no response. And he says, huh, he seems to not be here. Oh, yes, how ridiculous of me. Of course, um, he's going to be back. Uh, he's going to be back uh, momentarily. He stepped out for just a bit. Um, I'm sure he won't mind if I let you in, if you want to get your equipment set up and the things that you need to get yeah, done, done. Yeah, that would be spectacular. Because, you know, and, I'm, and I kind of make a show of, like, the camera weighing on my neck. Right, like, I yeah. got to... I got this big thing. I got to, like, get it. I got to get the tripod up. And thank you so much. It would be a real big help if you could let me in. Indeed. I will intercept him when he gets back to let him know you're here. And he opens the door and lets you in. Perfect. Mr. Appleton, uh, his lights are on. He has his, like, a couple of, like, nightstand lamps, which have um, gauzy red fabric draped over them, right, to to cast a Mm -hmm. sort of, like, reddish pinkish red glow throughout the room um lots of fantastic objet right uh like paper fans hanging on the walls Mm -hmm. and little objects little statues and things like that um thick heavy smell of incense in the room he must burn incense quite frequently because that heavy heavy lingering stale smoky smell is is in the air and this man from the front closes the door. Um, what do you do? Um, I start. I start looking for bookshelves. I start looking for books, papers, anything that I can find. Uh, correspondence would be nice. Anything, anything that might have a name on it. Anything that might link Appleton to Elsie to get the other side of this story. Indeed, indeed. Let's have a roll. All right. Uh, that is a five and a two, so a five. Nice. Well, bingo, jackpot. You you find what appears to be a... Um, well, let's just say this. At first you think it's a nightstand, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. actually like a short filing cabinet that he's had brought up into the room. He must do a lot of business in this room. Um, he clearly lives here, right? Um, filing cabinet is open. You pop it open. And 
lots of different things, invoices, um, invoices, records. He must be some kind of agent because you see lots of like uh, photographs, headshots, location shots, that kind of thing. It's all stuff that you can kind of like rifle through if you had time mm-hmm. uh, or you can grab it and run and go look later or whatever you want to do. The really important thing though, the interesting thing though, is as you pull back the towards the back of the bottom filing cabinet drawers, you pull the files forward, you're hit by that smell again. That goddamn smell. It just hits you like, it's just like in the face, like pow, right? Strong, strong, intense odor. And you see it there. You see it's a, it's a binder. It's a black binder uh, or like a photo book. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you see the words written in Sharpie uh, or mm-hmm. marker taped to the front of the binder, it says Tijuana Bible on it. What do you do? Uh, I am going to. Uh, do I take it and run, or do I wait and confront him? I I'm not going to get any extra. I mean, I, even if I pour through the documents, I'm not going to get any extra info if I don't if I don't talk to this guy myself. I'm going to uh, take the take the Bible, take the Tijuana Bible, and stash it. Okay. Uh, I think I've, I've, I've met picture. I've got a messenger bag or something. Perfect. Okay, good. Some sort of photographer's bag. Stash that. Maybe stash. Maybe grab one folder of. Maybe grab one of these folders of headshots and names. Look for one that's specifically like a ledger or something. Something nice. with like a lot of listed names mm-hmm. that I can maybe cross reference later. Stash that, and then grab a seat. See if there's something I can see if I can uh, find another cigar. This one's getting a little stubby, and if I'm being honest, this guy looks like he's got a few cigars to spare. So he looks like he's got a bit of money too. As you're yeah. sitting there waiting on him, you see um, piled up near the near like the like there's like a little bathroom area, you know, a little like little, little sink, you know, and that kind of thing, um, and a closet. Piled up on the outside of the closet are stacks and stacks of like boxes from like men's clothing stores, mm-hmm. shopping bags. Um, he's been on a shopping spree like crazy uh, and fairly recently too. Um, maybe like assuming that housekeeping comes by every day, at least in the last day or two, right? We don't know how often he gets full service or not, but he's mm-hmm. been on a big, big shopping trip recently. It kind of sticks out as an odd, an odd detail. Um, yeah. But you know, who knows? He also has a very vibrant social life, according to the gentleman downstairs. But uh, you got a couple extra minutes. Uh, I'm gonna go through some of these bags, see what, see if there's anything still in them, see uh, what turns up, yeah. anything unusual in those bags. Yeah, give me a roll. All right. Call this one die or two. I think this is probably a one die roll. Yeah. That's what I yeah, yeah, that's like a one die roll. Just yeah, I'll call it a one die roll. I I got a three. Okay. So um, I'll stick with a three. The bags. There's nothing particularly interesting about the bags, except he does have good taste. He shops at nice stores. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing you'll notice though is there is a uh, there's like a there's like a full size trash can in the room, like a 13 gallon trash can, and you'll notice that there's a bunch of clothes in the trash can. So it's like he took a bunch of clothes, his old clothes, presumably, and just shoved them in the trash can. Um, that's a strange thing. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to rifle through that trash can and see uh, if there's any, I don't know, any ties, vests, 
I think that might be something worth that might be worth. Yeah, exactly. No, I yeah. Love it. yeah, do a little shopping. That's good. Yeah. Uh, give me another roll. All right. That's a two, so I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll insight. Okay. Because uh, finger, there's probably something. There's probably something worth finding in here. I wouldn't have called it out, right? If there was it. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a five on my insight. Nice, good. So that's a good result, and uh, and it, but insight's high. Um, roll that for me now. Roll the insight die. Let's see if your All insight's right. going up. Uh, that is a six on insight, so yes. You are going my up to five. Is now a five. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That triggers something. We'll talk about it momentarily. All right. But you're getting maximum information here, though. Um, all of his clothes are too big for you. As mm-hmm. you go through, um, it's all, uh, you know, he waist size is like uh, he probably he's like a, he's like a forty waist. Okay, all these pants. Okay. And nothing super interesting about that. The clothes, one thing to point out, the clothes don't seem like they're frayed or in any disrepair. They're just tossed. Um, If you look in the closet, though, and compare them uh, to the clothes that he's just purchased, the clothes in the closet are significantly bigger. He went from a size, a waist 40, to like a waist 48, seemingly... Very fast, let's say. Mm-hmm. A big, big jump in waist size pretty quickly here. There's no evidence of sizes in between. That's a little freaky. And that's real freaky. Yeah, I'm gonna give you an insight. And that's and that, well, your insight your insight already went up, so we don't need to we don't need to interrogate that anymore. But um, just how do you feel though? I just keep hearing Carl's story about that body that turned up a year ago, all bloated and distended and skin ripping and I mean they couldn't they had to know the person when they checked in and I just keep thinking about that and I keep thinking who jumps eight sizes overnight I'm just that and hearing all these stories about this horrifying thing I start looking at my bag and I'm like maybe Maybe I ought to just take one look. No, no, I'll do it at the office. This is, I need to be on my game right now. And I, I, the room is kind of starting to spin a little bit. I need to take a seat and just breathe. Get, get composure. What am I talking? I need to be, I need to be at my best. This is, I'm all over the place. I need to be at my best if I'm going to confront Appleton about, whatever's been going on let's talk about the five result uh on insight so you have a five on insight now that triggers a special condition whereby you may do what's called suppressing mythos knowledge and what that means is if you take some kind of action to cover up or destroy anything connected to this mystery that might lead to darker truths, then mm. you're suppressing mythos knowledge. You then get to roll your insight die. And if you roll under the five, you get to lower your insight back down. It's like you sort of reclaiming your sanity, right? Reclaiming your, sure. your, your, your sense of self and presence. And you can keep doing it. Now that it's triggered, you can do it as much as you wish, right? And, and dial your insight down a little bit. You don't have to do that now, but just know that, um, on the next insight roll, if you go up to six, your character uh, your character snaps and goes insane. Yeah, okay. right. So, 
the way I like to think about it is that we're not talking about sort of degrees of sanity here. We're talking about the line that separates the line that like where you flip and you say, this is too much and it breaks you. Right. right? Like it's like a sudden right, right. shift. Right. So you're sitting there waiting for Mr. Appleton. I think that's, that's fantastic. That smell is rising up out of your messenger bag like crazy. I mean, it is like, it it is disgusting. It smells like urine and feces and body odor almost in turn. Right. Like mm-hmm. one and then the other and then the other. And that sort of, that sort of like strange, buttery, salty smell of semen, right? That is mm-hmm. the most powerful of all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's just there. It's almost like, I mean, it's almost like it's trying to get your attention, right? Mm-hmm. And. I take off the messenger, or I like take, I fully take off the messenger bag and I kind of like stash it on the other side, like as far, like, I'm picturing there's the bed in the center, then there's a chair, um, and then there's like maybe a like three or five foot gap between the bed and the wall. Yeah. And I'm taking it and I'm putting it as far along that wall as I can and scooting the chair as close to the bed as I can, just creating as much physical distance, even though I don't suspect that that will get rid of the smell and you're sitting there still waiting for mr appleton it is very quiet you can feel your heartbeat you can hear the occasional ding of the elevator down the hall and then you hear in the corner from where your messenger bag is a sort of and I, I i i i with a start i kind of like fall out of the chair a little bit and i clamor to my feet and i look at that bag and i'm just like it ain't it ain't worth it i can i i i can I'll figure out another way and I'll think I'm, I'm not. And I pull out, I pull out the, the ledger and I kind of throw it on the bed and I just take that cigarette or the cigar and I just like wick it. I throw it right in the messenger bag to just burn the whole thing. Nice. That sounds like a good place to stop. Yeah, Absolutely. To be continued. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Good. Very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do now? A little debrief? Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, we will be back next week with the second half of our Cthulhu Dark adventure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks I'm for having me. I'm feeling it. I'm really, I'm feeling it. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I hope the listeners are too. Um, so real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Uh, so I am uh, principally on G plus under my name, Jason Cordova. Uh, I'm mostly just found on the gauntlet uh, section of G plus. So just go to the community section of G plus and search for the gauntlet. You'll find us there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at gauntlet RPG. That is both the gauntlet Twitter and uh, my personal Twitter. So. 
Cool, cool, cool. Well, um, until next week, uh, thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, we will be back next week with some more, with the horrifying conclusion to this, uh, this saga. And for now, I am going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Jason for coming on to the show. That game was awesome. Be sure to tune in next time for the thrilling conclusion to our Cthulhu Dark 2-parter. It's really, really good. I'll tell you that. I'll spoil that for you. It's really, really good. Be sure to check out the Gauntlet Gaming community at gauntletrpg.com and on Google+. They're a really wonderful group, and I really value what they're doing in the community. Also, be sure to follow Jason on Twitter at gauntletrpg. Then while you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Party of One Pod. Then slide over to Facebook and like the show at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. Be sure to join our Discord community at bit.ly slash partyofonediscord. Talk about the show, professional wrestling, role-playing games, all of the things that people want to talk about. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation to a friend. Any of those things help new listeners find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. As I said at the top of the show, you can also consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. If you want to hear more from me, check out All My Fantasy Children, the character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano, Saez, and I take your listener prompts and spin them into a fantasy tale, fleshing out a shared universe one character at a time. It's pretty great. New episodes drop every Friday at allmyfantasychildren.com. Party of One is, as always, produced and edited by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran, featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you're interested in coming on to the show, whether you are a podcaster, game designer, professional wrestler, actor, musician, writer, celebrity chef, or you just love a good role-playing game, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.